Viner of Kahal Shari Shamaim in Mansi. The one thing I did not say is that if anybody still would like to ask a question, you can email it to info at hasaviva.org. If you do not get an immediate response, you can also email it to yv at torahstream.org, yv at torahstream.org, or info at hasaviva.org. Okay. Okay, so we're, we're uh, past your introduction? Yes. Okay. So let me begin, uh, for those of you sitting by a computer, feel free to uh, email as I talk. I won't be able to read everything quickly, but Ms. Um, Bender will send me what she's getting. The truth is, is that just from the seven or eight emails that we received, there's enough content here for a few hours worth of discussion. So we're going to have to be selective. Uh, if you sent in something, we don't get to it today. Well, we apologize. But uh, I want to mention two things. I don't know, Mrs. Sander, you mentioned them already, but there were some who questioned whether or not uh, this should be an official forum for this in any public way at all. And the truth is, in, uh, perhaps uh, 30, 40 years ago, it was best uh, left-handled one by one. The problem is, is that uh, just from the sheer amount of questions and issues that I'm seeing, there are many, many people in this situation, and uh, some of them don't know how to deal with it. Some of them don't realize there's a problem. Some of them realize there's a problem. They don't really know how to formulate the questions. Uh, many of them don't have a particular love they want to discuss it with. Uh, I certainly suggest, I'll say the disclaimer at the beginning of the end, that uh, these shilas come up all the time, both on the uh, men's side and the ladies' side. And uh, I know Baruch Hashem, the Menetera, are asking Shailas. Maybe they should be asking more, but many of them are asking already. And the uh, trick is really to ask for directions before it becomes a, uh, a severe issue. So that's the reason why we're trying to uh, treat it as not a completely public forum. At least the dial-in gives the uh, full cover of uh, being anonymous. And uh, the letters and the emails that I received, uh, most of them didn't really have names. So it'll remain that way. And uh, I'd like to start going through some of them. Uh, a lot of them cross-reference similar issues, but uh, they're unique in the uh, circumstance in which they're described, which is, uh, which is telling and important. So let me begin. Uh, this is not any particular order of severity. I'm just going to read it in the order that it was received. And uh, I also understand, I, I'm curious afterwards, Mr. Sanders, you can uh, maybe get an assessment of uh, where the calls are coming from. Uh, it's probably a pretty wide oil, hashkafically, and uh, there are different scenarios in different states and different regions. The Russia doesn't change, but keep in mind that every situation is unique based on the background, where they're coming from, what they can handle, what they can't handle, the need for the job and uh, various shots of the situations like that. So, again, uh, the, the particular question has to be asked on a personal level. We're just going to try to treat it in somewhat uh, broad strokes. Okay. Let me uh, begin. Uh, when women are working with men in the office, part of a team, e.g., all computer programmers, is it proper for the men and women to address each other as Mr. and Mrs. Miss? Last name, can the first name be used? I'm sure most of you are aware, obviously, in most... 
non-Jewish office environment, non-Islam office environment, everybody's using first names, and uh, there is a very, very overt effort to uh, have team building. And the Chaber uh, shop and the camaraderie is, is very important in the secular culture. Of course, everything we stand for is diametrically opposed to that, and we understand why they're doing it. Probably better for business and holding on to employees. But uh, that is the unique danger in the corporate world today, and it's gotten a lot more intense uh, in the last uh, few years. Uh, interesting example that was given in this first question is computer programmers. I received a uh, question from a young married lady uh, in Lakewood working in a firm office, and uh, she happened to work in the computer. She's a secretary bookkeeper there. And... Uh, Good news is everybody in the office is from, and uh, they're trying to do things right. And she called me, what does she do? The boss, who is not that much older than her, uh, one of the questions coming up will be, what if they're 10 years older, 20 years older, 30 years older? Well, I'm not going to give too much of a cut point to these things. Uh, and Hilchus Yichud, there's no cut point either. Sometimes I uh, see a shyness from a person, they say, well, uh, she or he, you know, 35 years older than me. Yalacha doesn't differentiate, for obvious reason. And uh, she felt very uncomfortable. He would often come to look at her screen. She's working in Excel spreadsheets or whatever accounting she's doing, and he would uh, hold on to the chair and bend over and peer in to try to give her uh, direction. And she felt extremely uncomfortable. Uh, there's no uh, not a gear going on, uh, but uh, it's in her book, Too Close for Comfort. And the good news is, is that he knows better and he just doesn't realize what he's doing. And I, I told her to bring it up. And she brought it up, and it was Baruch Hashem well-received, which is not always the case. And uh, she's a shy young lady, recently married, and it was hard for her to bring it up. She brought it up, and it wasn't a long long discussion. Uh, They're trying to work it out that uh, whatever she's doing on her computer, he can see on his, so there's less um, close interaction. But uh, these types of situations come up all the time, and there's a time to be shy and a time to be somewhat assertive to uh, bring it up and... uh, try to clear the air. The good news is, if there's any good news in the secular environment now, things are so bad that the uh, bosses and the various levels of management are often hypersensitive to these cross-gender issues. They're afraid of lawsuits and the like, and they will often listen even quicker than they would have 10 or 20 years ago, and that uh, certainly works in our favor. Uh, In terms of um, the name calling, get back to the question, Obviously, much less personal when it's not on a first-name basis. If it's all from people, mostly from people, you have every right to ask. If they don't like it or they think it's too from, then uh, that's not your issue. You're probably not going to get fired over it. Uh, so it is important to uh, to set to set a certain madrega of how things are being handled. I'm curious uh, how girls handle or should handle shidduch-related inquiries from men, especially if the single boy asking about a friend of his. Uh, this is a very important question. I've dealt with uh, some of these situations. Some of them were actually past the point of uh, desperation. It got completely out of hand. It started with mentioning a name, then discussing the shidduch, and discussing what went wrong, and their likes and dislikes, and it went downhill from there. Uh, a single boy uh, has an idea. He should uh, call up her mother. Uh, call up her father, better yet, and bring it up and then stay out of it. Um, there is a, a serious amount of um, therapy going on in offices between coworkers, and it's uh, absolutely a disaster in the making. 
in order to give good therapy, you really have to understand somebody and get into their emotions and get into their background, and it's a very, very dangerous situation. Uh, we have to keep in mind that, uh, of course, gender discussions are uh, mutter when somebody's trying to get married with the person they're trying to marry or in a business context only for business. Uh, many of the questions here are how do we um, answer a good morning? Okay, obviously a good morning is somebody says good morning to you, you say good morning back. Uh, it's not the good mornings that cause the trouble. It's the um, hello, how are you, how are the wife and children, how is the husband, what's going on in the house, and then, again, it gets worse from there. And there has to be clear uh, dividing lines between uh, a simple good morning uh, and um, an, an entire discussion. So some of the questions we have coming up, we'll, we'll touch upon that. Uh, the Shidduchim, though, is uh, is one big issue with the Eitzahara dressed up in a, in a mitzvah, and uh, we, we we call that in Gemara language a mitzvah baba there. So uh, if somebody has a suggestion, they say, you know, just call my father and uh, take it up with him or something like that. If they're not married, um, and if they are married and the Shidduch is for somebody else in the family, a sister, it's the same, uh, the same answer. Uh, any suggestions on how to suddenly become less friendly when the men I work with are used to interacting with me? Obviously, anybody calling in now or trying to get physics or drucker. Obviously, from Monday to Tuesday, it's hard to just stop talking. Uh, like any change, it has to be slow and sure, and hopefully they will get the message. It's still going to be a hello, how are you? Uh, at the end of the day, uh, it's not a popularity contest. And um, one of the people who uh, wrote in mentioned that obviously they're not interested in losing their job or leaving. Uh, most people, good news is most people don't get fired over these issues. Perhaps uh, they don't become uh, this popular and work up the corporate ladder, but they still make a living. And at the end of the day, they'll respect you if you're trying to keep your space. And as I mentioned before, in the corporate environment, uh, people are being extra careful due to the legal issues in trying to uh, let you have the space. And uh, some people certainly should be aware of that and uh, know what their uh, what their legal rights are and the lawful rights are. Let's continue. Mr. Sanders, if there's uh, any point you want me to stop for any questions or comments, please, uh, please do so. Halachas of Yichud, it's obviously possible to uh, go through all the Yichud. I will tell you that uh, I received uh, questions, well, I remember it's about 10 years ago during tax season, a young lady called me from the 28th floor of a skyscraper in Manhattan. It was about 11.45 in the evening, and she said she thinks she might have a shayla. Good news is she called. Did she recognize there's something wrong? Uh, she was staying late. It was tax season, and apparently she was staying later than most. This is uh, on a floor which has no access unless you have a code. Everybody else went home, and she was in the office with uh, one fellow who happened to be orthodox, and she wanted to know if it's a problem. And as she started uh, talking, obviously it was a, it was a huge problem. I told her to uh, take her cell phone and head toward the elevator and continue the discussion when she gets out. Um, the halachas of Yichud become even more complicated when it's somebody who's libo gospel. Libo gospel is the definition of something you're friendly with, whether they should become friendly or not, but it's sort of sort of Heimish, and um, the um, the regular coolers, whatever coolers there might be in Hochaz uh, often don't exist when it might be a situation of Liba Gaspa. Uh, I was also, okay, no, I'll, go, I'll, I'll include, let me go on to the next one, and I'll, I'll elaborate a little bit. Uh, yeah, I have cat, male coworkers work in the same office. Should I try to be the first one to greet them with a hello every morning? Because I'll say one is supposed to be a mock them, shalom to everybody. The answer is not in this situation. Uh, 
uh, a man should mock them shalom to men, a lady should mock them shalom to ladies, and a spouse should mock them shalom to their spouse. Uh, it's not the job of an Ashish or a single girl to mock them shalom. Uh, for the sake of being civil, if somebody says good morning to you, as I mentioned before, you say good morning back uh, without um, hello, hello, without um, without uh, continuing the conversation. <clears throat> I um, had a call from somebody about two weeks ago. This is a good example. Uh, I have like a very uh, a very good firm lady who's struggling with many of these issues, and she said that she works in a firm office, and she's unfortunately unpleasantly surprised to see that uh, many of the workers are quite famous uh, with each other. He, she said the boss is a very serious bentera. She wants to know what her obligations are to go to him and try to have him uh, put a foot down. And I uh, told her that there's a basic chiyot of achiyot achiyot. The misconception people have that achiyot doesn't apply if somebody might not listen to you. If that were true, there would never be any chiyot achiyot. There is a hetter that if the person absolutely won't listen to you or it's 90, 98%, then you don't have to say anything. Uh, if there's a chance they might, then you might be able to make a ration, and then obviously that's where the thief starts and the thief is not terror. Uh, again, the good news here is she felt her boss would give her a listening ear. She was just afraid that uh, it would make her uncomfortable and unpopular with the uh, with the other workers and uh, perhaps uh, prevent her upward mobility in the company. It would not get her fired. And obviously if that's the case. She's in the other to go over to the boss and have do something. She's responsible for them. And it's not for them. It's only a matter of time. So her defenses are, are eroded and she's going to be in uh, as big a danger. Uh, so I was I was gratified that at least she asked and she seemed uh, brave enough to try to follow through. Uh, another example: this young lady called me uh, about a month or two ago. She's uh, not married yet. She's I'd say probably in her mid twenties, working in an accounting firm. A Basiaco graduate, who again I was very impressed uh, that uh, called first emailed and then followed up with a phone call about uh, some of the issues in the office, and she told me that she actually is already a team leader. She has a number of people working under her. She regularly runs meetings, often out of town. Uh, so it's a pretty high position. It's a, it's a come out of an awesome firm. And, okay, it is what it is. She's doing that. That's part of her job description, very businesslike, and she's not moving. She was recently asked to present an award. The office is having like a year-end office party. I just need to stick away. The office party wasn't a uh, need to stick a party you'd find in the Gaisha office. And they were going to be giving awards. And uh, her boss asked her to present the award, Barabim, to one of the other workers. And she called me. She said she doesn't know if this is being too from. Uh, she's so uncomfortable speaking in public. I was very impressed by her um, thought process because she realized that, okay, she runs meetings with five people, 10 people, 15 people. Where she has to do what she has to do with this part of her job description. This is not part of her job description. Boss felt that she'd be a good presenter. She's obviously well-spoken, very intelligent. And um, I told her that if you can go to the boss, even if he's a little disappointed, and she's not going to get fired over this, if she can go to the boss and say, look, I'm trying to remain the boss's uh, from Ventura, and I'm trying to remain the basic girl that I came in as, and uh, in our island, we don't normally have women getting up uh, in front of hundreds of people and speaking. Uh, we try to avoid it, and it's not a business necessity over here. 
And the why she's doing this is breaking down another barrier. And she understood that. She That was sort of her gut feeling. She just wanted to hear it from me to make sure she wasn't talking about the boys for no good reason. Again, I was very impressed uh, that she was able to make the call and follow through with it and means that, uh, in general, our Beisakas are doing a pretty good job. Okay, let's uh, continue. Next question on work. I've worked with firm organizations for many years. Recently, somebody new was hired. He says a lot of things I'm not comfortable with, but it's clear that it's because he doesn't realize he shouldn't be saying them based on his background. That's the fellow that she describes here. I'm, I'm uh, touching up some of the questions. He comes from a little bit more of a modern background. He just doesn't realize he's doing something wrong. Besides giving me a lot of compliments, he says things like, you're a talented woman, or once when I was leaving the other day, he had a question, and he said, let me walk you to the door. He doesn't realize I would not be comfortable having him walk out alongside me. His language is also a little bit more colorful than I'd like. He's not using really bad words, but again, I'm not very comfortable. What can I do about the situation? So again, it's crucial that uh, people realize that these are problems and can lead to bigger problems. But obviously, the person who sent this question in realizes that. Uh, instead of sitting down and having a uh, deep and meaningful conversation with him, explaining your whole stuff for Chaim, the thing to do over here is to go to somebody else in the office who's a Bentera and tell him briefly what the problem is and have him go over and explain it to that fellow. And the fellow seems to be a nice guy, just from a different background. He doesn't understand that this is, uh, this is an issue. And quite often that will take care of the problem. But uh, you just have to uh, be brave enough to go over and, and get it done. Uh, next question, what do you say to the spouse of a man you work with when you meet them in an out-of-work setting? I expect to bump to this new co-worker's wife any day now. I can't imagine saying, I enjoy working with your husband, which is certainly not a good thing to say, or even your husband brings a lot to organization. On the other hand, I feel like I need to say something positive. The answer to this question is, I don't believe the premise is true. I understand where she's coming from. I don't think she needs to say anything. If the, um, the wife of that co-worker knows they work together, she'll give her a friendly nod and say hello. And if she asks, oh, by the way, how's my husband doing? So then say something powerful like, oh, he's a very honest worker, you know, works hard, and leave it at that. I don't believe you have to be proactive to open the conversation just start talking about her husband. How much can I share with my coworkers about your private life? Uh, we uh, discussed this a little bit at the beginning. The answer is as little as possible, practically nothing. Somebody... Uh, once they, if they go over to you and they're uh, trying to enter into a conversation and they're trying to build on the information you're giving them, that's a real dangerous sign. If occasionally they just ask in a haphazard way, just curious, like uh, I heard somebody, somebody, uh, your brother got engaged. So my dad, you can say, yes, the cost next week. Again, the main thing here is to keep it very brief and always be on guard that this is not um, a conversation you want to go anywhere. And quite often, whether with intent or just uh, not being mocked in these things, the uh, fellow who started this conversation is interested in getting into a conversation, and um, unfortunately the uh, recipient of the remarks has to uh, put a stop to it. <clears throat> One um, person wrote in, it wasn't even in preparation for this call, I had this from Mashir from uh, two years ago, that they were getting all sorts of emails and texts which were... Uh, at best, off color, or maybe worse. And uh, I instructed them to just write back very tersely. I don't appreciate this kind of humor. Please leave me off the list, and please don't email again. And if you say that enough times, usually uh, they'll realize that this is not the person who's going to be uh, contributing to these types of conversation. Next, uh, we work in a place that has never, that never had any men. Recently, new management took over, and young married 
four men started working there. Even though we are 10 to 15 years older than them, they act very friendly in the office. They talk to us, confide in us. We don't know how to make it stop without them feeling insulted. It's a horrible thing to insult somebody. At the end of the day, if you're protecting your tzniyas and you're keeping the halacha and they happen to get insulted because they're not holding there, unfortunately, uh, it has to be done. At the end of the day, it's not your problem. Uh, there will be people in life who get insulted when you're doing the right thing and you're doing the right thing and there's nothing you can do. It's not efshalakayim, shneim, all the time. If we try to limit the talk, it's only work. They say, why aren't you talking to me? I'm stressed. I need to talk to you. Obviously, there should be a man in this office uh, taking care of them. And if there's a um, if there's a boss who understands the halachic issues over here, he should be having a schmooze with them to put a stop to it. And sometimes you have to reach out to that person who can do so. Uh, I continue with her question. Work is a very stressful place recently, and they're looking for support from us. I think it should be coming from their wife. Obviously, these are married men. How do we stop this? They call our cell phones after hours and text us. So obviously, this is completely out of control. The problem is, on day one, it doesn't start like this. It's just, uh, it's a hello, how are you? And it doesn't stop there. And then um, a few months down the line, they're texting and then they're uh, they're calling. So if they uh, try to put a stop to it and it doesn't work, uh, somebody has to reach out to somebody else in the company or their rob or their Rebbe. And I guess if all else fails, their wife, which we're not trying to create Shalom Bayez problems, but uh, if all else fails, that might be a possibility as well. And that usually uh, that usually does it, but we're not trying to go there if it can be done by somebody else. <clears throat> okay, this is the first round of questions. Uh, Mr. Sender, do you have any uh, questions or comments or questions or comments from the uh, listener at this point? Um, yes. Hold on a moment. I just keep getting calls, so I can't. Okay. I work in an office where an employee says explicit, inappropriate gender comments to others. He does not do it to me, as he probably realizes not to say it, which is already good because it means that you are coming across as somebody, you know, with a certain level of standards. But I guess the question is how to deal with it or if she should be dealing with it um, if it's going on around her. Uh, they didn't say how large, how large the company was. I had one lady working for one of the large accounting firms in Manhattan, and she was having a similar issue. It got so bad, she was thinking of leaving. I told her that um, she needs a panasa, and I'm not very quick to tell people to leave their jobs because panasa is hard to come by. I did tell her that uh, it's a big organization, a uh, big company, and they have the ability to be asked to switch to a different department, which uh, entails some office politics, but it's doable, and she did it. And she's working with a different uh, group of people, and it's it's much better. So sometimes you have to make a, a move. It doesn't have to be down. It could be a lateral move, but it, it, a move has to be made. If that's not working and a person really feels at the end of the day they're being affected, if they have a resume and they have talents, they can uh, put out their resume and get a job in a better environment. Uh, and uh, the sooner they start that process, the better it is, so they don't have to be without a paycheck in this way. Okay. We have another one. Um, there, there happened to be um, some stories. I know somebody like that that just felt very uncomfortable and ended up leaving. Um, say that the the story has a happy ending. In this case, I believe she still is looking for a job, and I think it took a tremendous, tremendous amount of strength for her to leave that situation. Ultimately, she will get recompensed, but it, it's a very tough issue for her now. Um, right. I have a question here where the department that I work in is all from and consists of men and women. We sit in cubicles that have half a wall between each of us. 
I sit between two men, is that a problem? Uh, the wall goes up how high, and there's a clear differentiation between them. Uh, if it's an office a lot of people, there's no use of issue. Is it a clear differentiation that you can uh, move your head to the left or the right, you're not always staring at each other, and she's looking at each other, it's not awkward. Uh, with that said, uh, that might not be the case, and uh, it could lead to a very strong relationship, which is what we're not looking to do. And, again, if there's somebody to talk to, I mentioned before to capitalize, the secular world, because it's so crazy and so hefker, are actually quite concerned about this. And the the firm does not want lawsuits. And if you ask to move for religious reasons, they'll be often extra careful. If you ask to move because of, uh, can't call it harassment, but you're concerned that it's affecting your level of work and your concentration, often they'll be more than happy to do so. They want their employees to be productive. Okay, I think her question might be because of two men, maybe like walking between two men or sitting between two men. But I uh, it's not great, but I'm more worried about the the real issues that may come up. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's so, another uh, Again, if it's packed in the right way, often they'll be very happy to move them. Okay, I have another question. I'm uh, often asked questions about Judaism. How do I not answer them? Well, first of all, you can't start a guy that's the first thing. Uh, you can't teach Torah to Gaim when they ask all sorts of questions. Why are you leaving early? You give them five answers like, you know, it's a Sabbath, when we have a holiday, without going into it too much. Um, so that's the issue of teaching Torah. The second issue, obviously, is overly smoothing about it. You don't want to get into any philosophical debates with uh, other um, people from other religions. And you don't want to get into any big debates. Uh, I'll mention Kirov now. Kirov is, a, is an incredible mitzvah. Cross-gender Kirov is usually an incredible Avera. So um, I've been asked many times, I have a, a wonderful young man in the office, and he's really right for Kirov. Uh, can I choose with him and get him to come for Shabbos? The answer is no. You can refer him to Partners in Terror or some other organization and uh, have them call him and let them take care of him. It's not worth the risk uh, for the cross-gender situation. So they didn't indicate in that question, are there Goyim asking them or Jews, but Lamaisa uh, for, for the non-Jews, you have to be short anyway, but you can't teach Torah in detail for them. And uh, for the uh, for the Jews, uh, again, if they're not from, there might be a wonderful cure of moment. There's got to be a way to get uh, one of the men in the office to take care of them, or get them or say, I have a wonder, I have a good number for you, a wonderful organization. Could I have somebody call you, and they'd like to invite you to shop. We'll leave it at that. Okay. Can the Rev please give more practical advice about working in teams? We work closely day in, day out. That's something that I've also experienced, you know. So, As I, as I mentioned before, I am uh, quite aware of what it takes to make up on us, uh, and I rarely tell people to leave a job. I've had to do it once or twice, but it's a last resort. With that said, if a person had a job and they have a new policy, they have to work on shopping, the person would think twice about staying there because it's against the dinner. Uh, there might come a point in time where things are getting so high mission, so comfortable that they realize they're in danger. Trick is to realize it before you get there. And at a certain point, that particular job is just not worth it. And it's it, it's basically the same sakana as being Mahal Shabbos, Mahal Yantis, and the like. In many ways, it's worse. So there are situations where it just becomes impossible to manage. And the good news is, is despite the team building in corporate America, there's still plenty of jobs, especially a lot of the women are calling in or it's from, from workplace, uh, you know, I speak to men a lot about this. They have to create an environment where uh, they have teams that are uh, 
atheistic in nature and that uh, we don't import this culture from uh, from the Gaim. And if uh, they're, in, they're lucky enough to be in Tisha office, it'll be better. If they're not, um, they should try to figure out a way to try to get there. And again, it doesn't mean you have to run out the next day. It means that you have to always understand that it's a very slippery slope and things can happen very quickly. Uh, a lot of the Shalom bias problems that I've encountered over the years were started with office issues. That's how dangerous it is. And some of the biggest disasters ended with office fiascos. So uh, the danger is not exaggerated. As a matter of fact, uh, I think uh, Rabban more involved in these things are probably underreporting it not to scare people, but it's uh, it's a serious thing. Okay. My boss and his wife want us to be more like family friends. I talk to his wife a lot, who is a stay-at-home mother, but my boss likes to talk a lot, and I try to just nod and agree or smile. But sometimes I find myself sharing information like, oh, that was my favorite subject in school, too. I'm also the only employee. Am I doing anything wrong? My boss is about 30 years older than me. The only employee? Like there's two people working in the office? Is that the description here? That's what it seems like. So first of all, you have to examine the Euclid issue. I, I don't know how day in the day how two people are working in an office and there's not a Euclid issue. Technically, it's the ground floor and it's 9 to 5 and anybody can walk in. The door is unlocked and there are a lot of people around. It technically won't be a Euclid issue. It's going to be a real Libra gospel situation, and there are many people going to say even if the door is wide open to to the public, if it's Libra gospel, it doesn't help. So first thing, whoever sent that in maybe uh, should take a second look at the Yichud issue. And uh, a two, two-person two company, one male, one female, even with a 30-year gap, is a dangerous situation. So I, I'm worried about just a scenario before we get into what they're talking about. I'm worried about the whole backdrop of the scenario. I'm hoping he's a very nice guy and just wants to smooth talk about the family, but um, unfortunately my experience tells me that that's a very dangerous situation. I think um, maybe they can write in again and describe how they're solving the Euclid issue and um, why the company is not growing enough to hire more employees. I'd have to get more information on what's going on there, but I think they're they're, they're more serious issues than just the question asked. Mm -hmm. Okay. A few people asked a similar um, recurring theme is how to not appear cold. Again, you know, we shouldn't be initiating conversation, but is there anything that is still okay without being cold? Let me just uh, clear up a a very common misconception uh, about a very, very important concept in Yiddish guy, and that's Kirish Hashem Achil Hashem. Most people think that if you're being very friendly and uh, you're trying to show how, quote-unquote, normal you are and how marvelous you are, that's a Kiddush Hashem. And if you don't do that, it's a Kiddush Hashem. Now, there are two definitions of Kiddush Hashem and Kiddush Hashem, a primary definition and a secondary definition. The primary definition of Kiddush Hashem and Kiddush Hashem is are you doing Ratzon Hashem or not? If you're doing Ratzon Hashem, that's inherently a Kiddush Hashem. If you're not doing Ratzon Hashem, it's a Kiddush Hashem. That's the primary definition. The secondary definition is if you're doing something parv, not a mitzvah, not an avera. So then, behave like a mensch. Try to be friendly when halachically permissible and when it's not dangerous. And then you'll make a kiddush Hashem. Another common misconception is the main kiddush Hashem, kiddush Hashem is in front of goyim. That's not true. The main kiddush Hashem, kiddush Hashem is in front of Jews, and it also applies to goyim. Now, now that we have a primary definition and a secondary definition, if the primary definition clashes with the secondary definition, which happens all the time, the primary def- definition wins. And this is a case in point. Uh, if halachically it's 
dangerous or also to be schmoozing with men and they're trying to get a relationship and you don't want to let them in because that's the right thing to do. And because of that, you're going to come off somewhat cold and aloof and less friendly. Again, the misconception is many people say, well, I, I can't do that. That's Chil Hashem. answer is, well, it's a secondary definition. Perhaps they're getting a less than warm and fuzzy feeling about Jews or Orthodox Jews or, or some people or Haredim, whatever the, uh, whatever the title happens to be. But you're doing that because you're trying to do Ratzon Hashem. And if they clash, you have no choice but to do Ratzon Hashem. Again, you try to say good morning, even with a smile. And you, uh, if somebody needs help uh, with a report, you say, please send my computer. I'll, if you really need help, I'll, I'll correct it. Again, don't volunteer if you don't have to. But if they're really uh, getting something wrong and you feel it's going to uh, hurt them terribly and they reach out for help, so try to do it in the least personal way possible. But with that said, at the end of the day, it's not Ratz and Hashem that a relationship be cultivated, and that is what's going to happen. So then you go with the primary definition. You first have to be doing Ratz and Hashem. Okay. Thank you. Um, okay. Again, a question about about names. Um, in our company, everyone is called by their last names. They have had times when a male customer will ask what my first name is. How should such a question be dealt with? Is this a, is this a customer over the phone? Like somebody they're not going to meet ever? Because it depends. If it's somebody calling in, they have a call center, and somebody from Texas calls, and they just for reference want to know, like, who should I ask for? What's your name? And you say, Mrs. Schwartz, and they say, well, uh, it might be a common name. What's your first name? Then, okay, I can give you a first name. If it's a customer that is asking for the first name because they want to uh, create a relationship, and one of the questions that came in was that there's always this uh, very difficult pull in the fact that when you're a salesman or when you're trying to create business, you're trying to um, basically ingratiate yourself. You're trying to create a relationship and you're trying to be extra friendly, and that's even more dangerous. So if they're trying to do that and it's at the risk of your roofing, you're not obligated. If you're a phone boy, the definition is not part of your job description. Um, I had a young lady call me recently. This wasn't in the senior department, but uh, she said she was being hired by a, uh, well, I don't know if I want to call it from, but the owners were looked orthodox. And uh, they told her, at least they were nice enough to tell her ahead of time, that um, we have, uh, they were selling a certain product, and there was a problem. The company didn't want the, the, the product sold online. So they gave, they gave her instructions that uh, if so, such a such company calls and they ask where you're selling it, you should lie to them and tell them we're not selling it online. And she called me and says, is that mutter? I said, no, it's not mutter. They're telling you to hire you. They're telling you to lie to the people who call in. You should be taking such a job. She said, yeah, that's what I thought. They tried to explain to me why it really was mutter. So many things are done in the in the name of making a sale. Uh, that doesn't mean that it's halakhically correct, and people have to seek guidance on that. And she was a lady who needed a job. She was strong enough to say no, and she said, you know what? Uh, there's got to be a better way to, to pay my bills. That's the same thing. So that was a Geneva Shaila. That was a Shekhar Shaila. It's the department. It's the, it's the same thing. The question is, how far are you going to go to make that sale and to create that relationship? Uh, a lady called me, a um, young lady married just a few years. She was out of town making a uh, presentation. She was part of a team making a presentation. It's already challenging. And it was mostly non-Jews, and there was uh, one Orthodox fellow there, older, maybe 10, 20 years older than her, 
And after the meeting was over, it was like a three, four-hour series of meetings. After it was over, the non-Jews went out to eat. Um, they were in a foreign city, so he said, you know what, there's one kosher restaurant here. Do you want to go out to eat? She was caught off guard. She said, yeah. She was hungry, and it was passed through for lunch. They went out to eat, and they had lunch together for an hour and a half, two hours, married lady and a married man. And she called me afterwards. She said, I don't think I was supposed to do that, but like, what am I supposed to do? I, I didn't have what to eat. I said, I assure you, you wouldn't have starved. And if you know the kosher restaurant is, you can ask him for the address and go an hour later. But you have to be ready for these situations. Because she was caught off guard and she felt silly in the middle of it and felt very bad afterwards. It was not necessary. It wasn't part of her job description. And if, if it is part of a job description, like business meetings and... Uh... But then you have to see what it's doing to the Wolfenius and what the danger is. There's a difference. Often going out one-on-one is very difficult uh, to be make on because that is intended to create a one-on-one relationship. If you're with a group of people, it's a little less dangerous. So um, it, it's uh, I had that uh, about a half a year ago where it was interesting, somebody came to me, it wasn't him, and said that he knows somebody, he was eating in Manhattan at a restaurant, and he saw somebody that he knew, that I knew, uh, eating out with a uh, young lady, and uh, he came in, he was in a business meeting with uh, with like 10 other men, but the guy was sitting at the next table, and they were both there for a couple hours, and he came to me, and he really meant well. He was seriously concerned about the fellow's rookness and his marriage. And I unfortunately had to investigate it, but he came to me as a person who knew him, and uh, the person was right. And um, I had a long discussion with the uh, person he was trying to help out, and the person admitted me, the energy, you know, that's, uh, I didn't realize myself, but this is getting very dangerous. And it wasn't the first time they were eating out. He was trying to cultivate a, a relationship to close the deal, which would make a lot of money, uh, like a lot of money, but it's all about how about to be intact and so does his marriage. So you have to... You have to there comes a certain point where it's just not worth it. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have an addendum to the previous question about the uh, the girl working with the boss, and you know they were the only two people in the office. So uh, she mentions that uh, I guess the office is at home, so both spouses are in town, and the wife can walk in at any time. And there are two sons that work for him as well, but they do so remotely. So there is more going on in the business, but the only two people who actually sit in the office are. Okay, well, so that may be technically we'll get us out of the Euclid issue. If the wife can walk in at any time, it's in the house, it's out there. It's uh, part of the house of the Yeah. Okay, that, that would take care of the Euclid issue. With that said, the boss is there for many, many hours, and they just have themselves and the wolf to look at. Uh, I feel a little nervous about the situation. Uh, I wouldn't let my daughter work there. Uh, again, I'm not holding everybody to the same uh, standard, but uh, uh, I, I wouldn't advise somebody to take that job. I'm not saying he's a bad guy. Uh, if they're in that massive, uh, there has to be more of a barrier, not less. So again, if it's once in a blue moon, he just asks them how the asks for how the bar mitzvah was. Okay, it's not a perfect world, but if it's something that's growing in the schmoozing department, uh, not shrinking, uh, that's a, that, that can be a red flag. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's another question that touches on some of the things that the Rebel already mentioned, but the end of it is a drop difference. Um, I work as an actuary in a large insurance company where I am the only religious employee. Is it more okay to talk with non-Jewish males than Jewish males? Also, does the age of a male make a difference? Is 
uh, a male, i.e., a male of 30 years older than me, which the Rebel already addressed. There was also a male in his 50s, I'm in my young 20s, who grew up from and for reasons I don't know left Yiddishkeit. He often comes over to talk to me, and I feel it is a real cure of opportunity. May I talk with him? Invite him for Shabbos to my in-laws. I guess her in-laws might be the type that have people over. Yeah, let me let me take the last part first. It's a wonderful share of opportunity, but uh, she doesn't have to be the Kirtman. She should invite him to her in-laws, perhaps, or better yet, because she just cannot be still part of the program if she does, invite him to somebody else's in-laws. There are many wonderful people who would love to do this here. There are thousands of people involved in these things. She should call uh, Project Inspire, Partners in Terra, and help you set up in no time, and they will answer all the questions he needs to uh, find out about. So she should just direct him, give him uh, my welcome, and uh, she should not be part of the equation. I um, unfortunately am witness sometimes, uh, sometimes called in to try to fix things up, in a um, person who convinced themselves they were doing Kirov and um, ended up uh, being disastrous. It's not it's not worth the risk in terms of relationship building. Lots of them are somebody. You really have to make a very strong emotional tie with them. You really have to understand them and really get into the kishkas, and that is not something that should be done cross-gender. So she should uh, not, you know, it's, it's another yid. She should say, look, uh, there are people who really can understand these things and explain these things better than I can. They love to have you for Shabbos. I'm going to have him call you, you know, give me your number. And leave it at that and pass it on to somebody else. Mm-hmm. In terms of the uh, original question, uh, non-Jews versus Jews, they're both officers. Sometimes a non-Jew is automatically a much larger barrier, so it'll end up being less dangerous than another Yid who um, one might feel a little bit more comfortable with. Uh, but, again, they're both problematic, and you have to have your uh, antenna up by both of them. Okay, can the Rav speak about women working for Rabbanim or for men who do have clear boundaries? There seems to be a natural level of comfort, if not closeness, that develops by default when working together. One, should this partnership between men and women be avoided entirely? Two, how should this work in a firm organization or a school setting where, for example, a Bisakov will often have men and women administrators? Often it can't be avoided completely because uh, for yeshivas and organizations to hire all men is often more expensive and they don't have a surplus in their budget. So that's why it's done. With that said, no one is ever going to tell you and be correct that uh, it's not a better scenario where it's a male secretary or a male assistant. Everybody will tell you it's much better. And um, the reason they don't do it all the time is because it's simply not... uh, physically, uh, uh, I wouldn't say physically responsible, but it's not, not in the budget. And the larger the office is, the more the pool of people, hopefully the less personal it will be. And um, obviously logic would dictate that if there are many women in the office, let's say a large yeshiva office, you have a hierarchy of bosses that are women that are dealing with the people working under them. And then you have a manal or you have a yeshiva, whatever it is, he's dealing with one particular person, or two people, but it doesn't have to deal with all of them. Uh, with that said, certainly a better scenario to have it uh, to have a, a complete picture with uh, with male assistants. Just not not very practical all the time. I will tell you. I remember years ago, I was approached by a head of a very successful organization, and they were pretty well funded, which is why uh, this is doable. 
And this, that executive director came to me and asked if I could put in a good word with so-and-so, a fellow who would be very good working with him. He basically needed a secretary. He basically needed a, uh, I'll call it a godbot because he wasn't, uh, he wasn't a rabbit, he wasn't a shiva, but he needed somebody to work with closely, and he, there was a lot of traveling about this night. He smart enough to know that uh, our young lady is not going to do the trick over here, uh, not safely. And uh, we found somebody, and they're working very well together and uh, doing wonderful uh, things for the organization. So it is doable, just have to figure out uh, the funding for it. Okay. Here's an interesting question. I work in special ed with young adults in a Jewish but not from program. The groups are split between males and females, but in the morning we start in the same place. Is it a problem for me to be friendly with male individuals with special needs? It's a very good question. I've been asked that question in different uh, scenarios, and there are has to be asked with a lot of detail because uh, uh, people taking uh, young ladies taking care of uh, special needs children depends on what the type of special need is, what the age is, how high functioning they are, and you have to get all those details together and then put it into the question. There are certain coolers. Uh, but there are certain perceived coolers. We'll put it this way. A lot of people come to me assume that almost everything is mother. And when we start going through the different uh, clients, uh, they find out that uh, some of the assumptions they made were, were not at all pushed. So uh, I encourage anybody in the field to uh, to ask because it's uh, not everything is medically indicated, not everything is a medical necessity. And um, and the uh, the young boys who are being cared for. Some of them are actually uh, needy. They can be 60, 70 years old, years old, and they still are. Some of them are high of mitzvahs, and you have to be extra careful with these things. So uh, there's no one-size-fits-all, but uh, there are some leniencies. It just gotta, you got to call up a Rav who's dealt with the Shailas and, uh, and include all the details. Okay. Can the Rav please touch on the topic of women, girls, in the hospital environment, where we work in close contact with many men? I'm assuming they mean patients. But I don't know. Maybe men in the administration are on the floor, too. I don't know. A nurse will be working with doctors, obviously, and orderlies, and sometimes male nurses, and, of course, with many patients who are both male and female. Uh, a nurse is often asked, besides helping out medically, to be a little bit of a therapist also. Again, you gotta you got to be careful not to cross the line between the therapist, confidant, and uh, being chummy with them when they're people in the hospital are vulnerable and they're sad and they need to be picked up. And all that's very important. And it's a when they do it in a kosher way. But again, primary definition is that without putting yourself in danger. And uh, Baruch Hashem, a lot of patients in the hospital are not that sick. Sometimes they're for a procedure, but they're quite healthy. And uh, it could be very dangerous. So whatever is needed therapeutically, certainly for a real chayla, is often mutter, similar to a lady going to a male doctor and vice versa. Uh, so we'll make a on that if, uh, if that's the person who's giving the best care. But one has to be cognizant of where it's crossing into the being friendly to make the patient feel good, which is part of being a good nurse. But you have to know where, where the boundaries are and, and have your antenna up again to uh, make sure those boundaries are crossed. Okay, going back to the offices, there is constant interaction between the men and women, many of which isn't business-related. Many times us women will be involved in a conversation, like a women-only conversation, and a man will join in. What do we do in that situation? Oh, I start missed the beginning. I work in an office which has many from employees, both men and women, of whom most are married. What was the last sentence? 
most of them are married. Most of them are married. I was amazed. I was once in an office with a lot of fun people, and I was there. I was actually uh, giving a shear. I was walking through the hallway, and I noticed it was a tremendous Kiddushem, although, uh, again, the person who uh, was being uh, talked to in the story, as you'll see in a minute, uh, was uncomfortable with getting the Musser. And we don't want to make people feel uncomfortable, but if something is being done wrong, what happened was I walked through the hallway, and uh, there was a person who had gone over to a group of women who were sitting schmoozing, and, like, he was very interested in joining the conversation. And he was standing there making a bit of a nuisance of himself, and one of the executives, the vice president of the company, was standing next to me, and we were actually talking and learning. And in the middle of my sentence, he, like at the corner of his last saw what was going on, he said, excuse me, Rob, I'll be back in a minute. And I saw him race down the hallway. He didn't pull the guy by his uh, lapel, but uh, something, something similar to that. And he uh, gave him an executive order to get back to his seat. The guy was uncomfortable with it, but he wasn't taking no for an answer from the women. So... This person felt in our fires, and rightfully so. And uh, that was the right thing to do. Even though we're careful not to advise people to rob him, but some people, uh, and he wasn't trying to embarrass them, it's just the guy naturally was embarrassed. He was called on something he was doing wrong. At the end of the day, if something's being done in front of you, you have to say something. And uh, if it's not your place in the company to say something, find somebody who will, and hopefully there's somebody who has enough ear shemaim to realize that there's enough fires to the people with power in the company. Okay, someone has asked again about the school situation, if there could be some more practical, you know, someone works in a school with, you know, principals that are male and uh, there's, you know, it's it's a, a trust relationship, you know, where, you know, she's, I guess, a, perhaps someone that, you know, works closely and is responsible for a lot and... I'm happy to say, again, this is probably not true. It depends. Is it the yeshiva? Is it a day school? What type of item they have working there? Who they're catering to? I live in Muncie, as you know, and I happen to be involved in a number of yeshivas. Uh, I was actually asked to be on the rabbinic board of one of them, one of the very large yeshivas in Muncie. I can't tell you how impressed I am. I'm, I'm in the office when we have meetings. I see the interaction. I can't tell you how impressed I am with the Elokite and the Sneas of the Manal and the executive directors in terms of how they address and deal with the female employees, and it's mostly female employees. And uh, it's, it's cordial. It's, uh, it's done with Derek Eretz. There's clearly a large fence there, a good sense. And I'm happy to say that a couple of the people on the top, uh, the Kaidish people, have uh, reached out to me uh, on a few different occasions and asked me how to deal with a certain female employee where something has to be said. And they have to talk to them, but they, they don't know if it should be them, and how do they approach it. And they asked the Shaila, like, yeah, that's the yell of the other Shaila, and a chicken tray for Shaila, and a boss of a call of Shaila. And they asked Kadasa Gadin, and we went through it, and they, they treated it as a, as a topic in Allah should be treated. And, uh, and this is a very well-known, well large school, a lot of staff, and uh, I think they're doing a great job. So, so it can be done. I think this is going to be the last question of the evening. Um, when I first joined the company, sorry, in the company I work for, there are no other from women and one from man, more modern, who was about 10 years older than me. When I first joined the company, he took me out for pizza. I didn't think about it before, but afterwards felt very guilty and that it wasn't appropriate. 
even though it was very part of the conversation. Since then, he has asked me a bunch of times if I want to go out catch up. I keep brushing him off. Should I tell him I think it's inappropriate or keep pushing him off and coming up with excuses? Uh, she should not come up with excuses, but she shouldn't tell him directly. As I mentioned before, it might have been some sneeistic to get into a conversation that she has to explain to him why it's not sneeistic that she doesn't want to go out to eat with him. So she should ask somebody else in the company or write a note to somebody else in the company and say, look, he's a really nice guy. And when I told him, can you please explain to him where I'm coming from so he'll stop asking me and they'll take care of it very quickly. Okay. Okay. Um, as we can see, the uh, the issues are not easy to deal with when we're faced with them. But knowing the types of things that other people are faced with um, helps us to think about it in advance, to be prepared. And, you know, the most important thing is for us to be aware and to be cognizant and uh, and to try to limit. You know, if we're not at a point yet where, you know, we can stop or, you know, tell someone or leave our job or, you know, whatever it is that, that might be needed to do to rectify the situation. But if we know and we, we try to limit our, our interaction as much as possible, and that's already a step in the right direction to ask not to be afraid. Rabbi Viner has, has asked that also if, you know, people have more questions or, you know, after this, if, you know, as people are rehashing things in their minds, if they want to uh, ask things, um, they're free to. If there's something that, you know, doesn't sit well, want to talk it over with a mentor, a female mentor, Rav, you know, this is just the beginning, and it's meant to... to remind ourselves of what we should or shouldn't be doing and then to, to take it further so that we'll be able to do the best job that we can in the best way that we can. Um, I want to let you know that this is going to be recorded. Um, the record, this is recorded, I should say. The recording is accessible at 712-775-7089 with the same passcode 781970. It will be accessible for a couple of months. If at the time that it goes down, someone still wants to access it, you can always email us at info at hasaviva.org. And uh, you can email us in general for more drachah, for mentors, to join our support groups, which are forming in different neighborhoods uh, now. And uh, we look forward to your feedback. We will also be sending out um, an email uh for feedback and look forward to hearing back from you. And uh, we want to thank Rabbi Viner very, very much for his time. And as I said, he's you know, very, very interested in helping us, and uh, we are very, very appreciative. Okay. Hatlacha, Rabbi. And uh, I'm going to run out now only because I have to catch my earth. So I guess uh, the Elam can continue if they uh, have any uh, have any questions or comments. I can be reached by email or uh if somebody misses send or somebody needs my number, they can call. Just uh, usually have to leave a message if the ringer is off. Uh, if they call and leave a message, I usually can get back within a couple of days. I don't hear back. They could try again, but uh, ultimately, I, just the volume of calls, ultimately, I'm, I'm able to get back. Okay, and that number is? Uh, uh, 845-362-2206. Okay, a number of questions, more questions did come in, so I will forward this also on. Okay, very good. Thank you. Call to. Okay. Thank you, everybody, for joining. Have a wonderful night and uh, Rayla Khampar.